You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by The Sound Parcel. What's The Sound Parcel? Well, The Sound Parcel is a new gear rental service. And what they do is they have a bunch of interesting and really cool gear. For instance, I recently got to try out the Montreal Assembly Count to Five through them, which I had not experienced before. That thing's a trip, by the way. And they made the process really easy. The website looked great, was easy to navigate. You just pick the items you want to rent. You pick how long you want to rent them for. And they send them to your door, complete with a prepaid a shipping label and a whatever package you need to ship it back to them and at the end of your rental period you get a little notification email you just throw it in the uh, the provided packaging put the label on it put it in your mailbox and boom done you just got to experience a whole new crazy thing that you may not get to experience anywhere else so check them out at thesoundparcel.co and uh, enjoy this podcast is also brought to you by Sinusoid that's right. Those dudes up in Seattle, the guys that are making the really awesome custom cables with the 100-year warranty. I, oh, speaking of the 100-year warranty, I do want to I want to make a quick comment on that. I I heard on another podcast that that 100-year warranty may or may not be great for vampires. Due to my uh, second career as a uh, blade-esque vampire killer, I can't really comment on how the undead would react to such a cable. But what I can tell you is that this is the perfect cable. That the, I'm holding it in my hand right now, just I'm telling you. This white sinusoid coily slate cable is the perfect cable for your uh, your average dinosaur enthusiast. Uh, if you're a fan of Triceratops, uh, you know, Stegosaurus, um, Tyrannosaurus rex, Velociraptors, maybe even the occasional, I don't know, Maybe even throw in an occasional Ice Age creature. This is the cable for you if you are a fan of any of that stuff. So go check them out, sinusoid.com, and you'll be glad you did. Hey guys, just one more quick note before we start this episode, just to give you a little bit of context for what's going on here. Um... What happened was uh, Robert Keeley came to town. He wanted to just come and uh, uh, hang out for a little while, and uh, we were just talking guitars, talking uh, pedals and whatnot, and I was like, hey, man, uh, why don't we just throw a mic up in the middle of the room while we're having this conversation and uh, see what we uh, see what we catch for the podcast? And he was like, oh, absolutely. So that's kind of what happened. Uh, it, as you guys know, most of my interviews I conduct remotely, so... This is a a nice change to actually be able to sit down and have a real conversation out in the out in the tone cave with the guy and uh, so yeah we just threw the mic up in the middle of the room and we we chatted for a little while so hopefully you guys enjoy this talk and uh, on with the show. I'm just gonna roll this thing. I don't know why not. Make it easy. Ah, uh, but so I think I um I officially be- uh, became a. Uh... An honorary uh, Portland uh, musician. Nice. I went to uh, Chris's place and got uh, put my down payment on a Monarch mm-hmm. and a Vinny. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, so awesome. You know, I'm uh, I'm fully absorbed in in the Portland experience. It's uh, that his amp is something that I just I can't I can't get away from it. I just love uh-huh. it. I've played this thing for a couple years now. It was my first like boutique amp. Well, technically, it's my only one that I own, right? right? Now. But and it's like I compare everything else to it, and I just I I love it so much. And then the Vinny, of course, I'm going to be super biased on. Yeah. I don't know if Chris tell me why. Uh, because that Vinny number one over there, mm-hmm. um, is named after my son. I commissioned the is first Vinny. Right? Yes. How cool is that? I uh, I told Chris I didn't want, you know, I just wanted something just kind of whatever. Um, you know, just a toy basically for my son that matched my monarch, and he was like, "Well, if it comes out of my shop, it's gonna sound good." And so, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So he worked on it for like three months. He did all kinds of circuit revisions and stuff before it was done. He may, it may have even been longer than that. And then finally, he he did the last circuit revision today. He told me to come pick it up. 
Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I was quite impressed when he plugged it in and uh, plugged the, the Vinny mm -hmm. into the um, Monarch, mm -hmm. and I got to play that. I was like, wow. And uh, I think he alluded to doing some possible combination of the two in the future. Oh, wow. I thought that was kind of fun, and uh, I fully endorse that. Because, yes. So, but I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to wait, so I got on the waiting <laughs> list now. You know what I mean? I said, well, give them to me separate because that uh, that American-British switch on there sounds mm -hmm. fantastic. And um, after you take a look at his wiring in the shop, oh yeah, and you're just, you know, it's all there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a, uh, he told me, uh, like, on the phone a couple of weeks ago, I, I was like, he's like, sometimes I'm worried that people are going to think you're a shill. For Benson, <laughs> I'm like, I just legitimately like him that well. It's 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 just uh, I'm glad that you're gonna get one. I think you're gonna like it a lot. <laughs> There's only one shill, and uh, that's uh, Roger Williams. He works for everybody. You know what I'm yes, talking about? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Roger Williams is, is the uh, shill for all companies. Yes, he works for all of us. He's on everyone's payroll, <laughs> and that's why he wins all the prizes all the time. Well, of course, <laughs> of course, that's why he always. Well, we wins. already know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, his board is uh, is almost all you except the Pelotar, it looks right, like. <laughs> right. Well, now, now other companies are starting to let him win. Right. Know. I think he won a, maybe a TC something, and mm -hmm. I think he won a, what's that, all stomp? There's some kind of pedal that you can configure to be any modulation or delay. One one of anything. You know what I mean? Oh, it's wow. A silver thing. I haven't Very seen cool. that. I want to say it's like a Zoom product. Maybe he'll correct us later on. Okay. I think it was pretty cool, though. He's in my Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he'll... Oh, yeah. He'll tell us what he has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, you got a great wall of guitars here. Well, thank tell you. Me, tell me about that Wyland one, the one with the Wyland strap. Oh, that one, uh, that is a, let me take a look. So, that, that one is uh, a Roni mm -hmm. uh, Paramore. Yep. It's a, it's seven string tuned up for um, just a, uh, drop A right now. Uh -huh. It was kind of my first adventure into the baritone slash extended range, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And it, uh, it's got these awesome pickups in it by there again. There's a lot of Portland representation. In I here. love it. <laughs> this is the Portland show. Yeah. This is great. The, uh, those pickups are made by a guy called Ken. Uh, oh my gosh, he's going to shoot me. I forgot his last name. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he makes roadhouse pickups and those are, his slug buckers and they're the only humbucker that i have to roll the tone knob down on they yeah. have so much high end and i mean that in a good way they're like super defined and super sparkly uh we can play it here in a little bit if you That's want great. but it's uh they're they're crazy how how much sparkle is in those humbuckers that's great i like the way the guitar is constructed it's like Natural on the black on the back and then black up top. Yeah, that's kind of that was kind of one of Paul's things. He just he liked doing it, and for some reason, you know, this guitar was you know, he's not he wasn't known. I mean, he's he recently went to work for another guitar company, but mm -hmm. at the time he was just he wasn't really known for mm -hmm. heavy music guitars like what that is. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I was just like, well, I'll give it a try. I've never mm -hmm. had a guitar like that. Is this another one of his guitars? Is blue <laughs> like uh, Supro meets? F-hole type thing? Yeah, that's his Oceana. I um, love that, too. That one he did, that one I, you know, he did for me specifically. I got to, you know, figure out the color scheme and all that stuff. And uh, that also has Roadhouse pickups in it. They're not, <clears throat> they're, again, they're not humbuckers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're kind of like the Supros. Those are actually single coil pickups in it. Mm -hmm. um, and they sound really good. And uh, that's one of only two um, gold-plated masteries. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I see that now. Yeah, the 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 Paul had that done when he was working down in the cower shop, and so it's like me and a guy named Jimmy Junior are the only ones that have gold plated masteries at this point. Oh man, that's awesome! And it's sitting on that, it looks like Lake Placid Blue. That you nailed it, Lake yeah. Placid Blue. I love it. Yeah, I've got inspired by a Gretsch I seen on Instagram that was Lake Placid Blue with gold, and I called Paul. I was like, I know what color we need to do now. <laughs> I had a Camaro once that I painted that color because I'm so in love with it myself. Oh, nice. So, man, the, it's... We're going to have to go in the garage, speaking of Camaro, I'll have to show you that. Cool. <laughs> cool. So, we're... Um, in Oklahoma, we've got several effects panel companies. Right. You know, some of them, you know, had some sort of crossing or starting with, with Key Electronics. They went on and did all kinds of great things on their own. 
Um, <clears throat> tell, tell me about the, the history of Portland and, and guitar effects. I mean, who, who might have been around in, in the late 1990s, for example? Boy, you know, I'm not really... a little bit later than that? I think it started a little bit later than that. But people can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I got into it about the same time that some of the companies started, I think, mm -hmm. which is probably mid to late 2000s. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, Mr. Black's been around, I think, since 2011. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Sub Decay, they're not technically Portland, but I think they started right around the same time. Um, there's, we consider them a Portland sure. brand. They're, they're in the neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Maleko's been around for a really long time. Yeah. I, I don't know... I don't know with Maleko which started first, the synth stuff or the guitar pedal stuff. Right. I, I'm probably not as versed, well versed in the history of the companies as I should be because mm -hmm. uh, I find, I mean, Jack finally has talked himself into coming on the show, so I'll get to pick his brain a little bit yeah. at some point. He's a good historian. Yeah, he'll know. He'll he'll be able to tell me a little bit more. But like, it seems like <clears throat> the Portland scene kind of all came about like in the. Mid to late two thousands versus yeah. the nineties. So Cat Catlin Bread's been around for a good long while, and mm -hmm. then um, is um, is Debbie ever part of the thing? And Debbie Ever's a strange one because I don't think anybody, as far as I know, I could mm -hmm. be way wrong. I don't think anybody knows her. Mm -hmm. um, so, but uh, based but, out of this area, yeah, she's mm -hmm. she's in this neck of the woods. I don't mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I don't know what she's up to. Like yeah. I, I don't. She does not really. She doesn't like come to. You know, I don't know, like events. Or or something yeah, like I don't. Yeah, so I don't really know what the what's going on with her. But so I saw I saw a couple other ones that were back there from uh, the Portland area, or some of the other ones. Oh, so we got speaking. Of, let's make a big Benson commercial. Uh, mm -hmm. Chris Benson is uh, teamed up with uh, Steve over at Synthrotech, who does like modular synths, and oh, they wow. have some pedals under the Harbin Audio name. So that's one. Mm -hmm. um, Spaceman. Is Spaceman Harbin was Chris's mm. Spaceman. Who's that run by? His name's Zach. Uh -huh. um, there again, I've only talked to him via email. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know the history of that company either. I've tried to hit him up two or three times to get him on the show, but well, we're gonna get him on. we should get him on there one of these days, huh? Yeah, no kidding. So what else? Let's see. Boy, I'm, I don't. I have to make my way over to the cabinet. Let well, me... tell us about Peloton. Well, yeah, I. There's this whole podcast becomes another Pelican Noiseworks commercial on uh -huh. the regular because Leon's one of my best buds, uh -huh. and so I I don't know if you know that the story behind that thing at all. No, I saw the first time I saw the pedal, I was standing with Bill Finnegan of Klon, <laughs> right? And we all know how uh, distinctive the case is for the Peloton, right? And at that point in time. What's the buddy? What's your buddy's name? Oh, Leon. Leon. Mm -hmm. Okay, Leon wasn't there, right? This is the summer in Nashville now. Correct. Correct. And Bill Finnegan was looking at that thing, and at the time he didn't know what it was. Right. That it was too fuzzy right? <laughs> in series or something like that. You know, maybe he can correct me, but um, but Bill Finnegan's eyes were wide open trying to figure out like. I can't even believe this. And, and then, then I heard people from all directions kind of going, it, it's, it's not what you think. It's definitely 1 million percent not a clone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a great fuzz. Then my guy started trying it, and uh, Atlee and another guy tried it, and they were just like, man, the thing sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, Roger Williams has been uh, pushing it around. It's mm -hmm. awesome. And so... Now I'm, I'm needing to get one myself, man. Yeah, we can we can make that happen for sure. Leon, he's on vacation right now, but I'll mm -hmm. talk to him when he gets back, and That's cool. we'll make it happen. Um, that company I know a lot about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Leon's one of my best friends, and I'm sorry, Bill. The, the Pelotar graphics were my idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it's kind of like Leon was. He's very you know like he works with electronics in his day job and. He's very smart with that stuff. And when he gets into something, like, he figures it out. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys. And he wanted to do a pedal, but he didn't want to do just, like, a, well, what, like, a, just another, you know, whatever pedal. He wanted so, to do something interesting. And so I just called him up. I said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but you should probably do a fuzz of some sort. And I tried to talk him into doing something easy, but mm -hmm. he's not going to, he doesn't bite for that. Right. You know, uh, I said, but, you know, it'd be funny because at the time there was just like, there's a clone clone, there's a clone clone, there's a clone clone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, let's make it look like a clone. And when people plug it in, 
it's a gnarly fuzz. And he was like, yes, that's hilarious. We're going to do it. Yeah. So then he, so I, and I, this is one I know a lot about, so I can actually talk about it. It's two fuzzes, mm-hmm. like you said, and they're actually in parallel. The one side is kind of like a, like a big muff and the other is more like this vintage flavored. I'm not really sure what that mm-hmm. is, but it's, it sounds really good, but they're two very different. Wildly different fuzzes. Yeah. The gain not they the gain is fixed on them unless you want to pop the back and mess mm-hmm. with the trim pots. Though they're just maxed out all the wide time. Wide wide open. Yeah, and then the gain gain knob on the front is actually a blend, mm. and it blends it from you know all the way left is the vintage flavor, all the way right is the more muffy style one, mm-hmm. and anywhere in between is some mix of the two. Yeah, and the tone control is wired normal on one and backwards on the other. Oh, wow. So when you boost the highs in ones, you're boosting the lows in the other and vice oh, versa. Oh, cool, man? Yeah, so there's a lot of different... Ver- he just wanted to... He His thought was, if I'm going to put a fuzz and I'm limited to these, this three-knob layout, mm-hmm. I want to make it as versatile as I can with those three knobs. And it became one of my favorite fuzz pedals. Yeah. And, uh, so it's... it's That, yeah. That was, a, looking, that was a fun thing. I'm thing. looking forward to it because I only got to hear it through the din of a million other pedals at the, at the NAMM show, you mm-hmm. know? It's us making noise with something, and old blood was next to us, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, thirty other fuzzes going on. Right. So that's pretty cool. So, what do you think? Um, what do you think is in the the Portland water, or for that matter, the Oklahoma water that um, spurs this type of uh, environment? That I've I've actually talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a. a You've been you've been to Old Town Music before? I just went there yesterday. Yeah, so Hank there was on the podcast here recently, and mm-hmm. we talked about the the Portland scene in particular a lot. And I'm not sure what it's like in Oklahoma because mm-hmm. I haven't been there, but Portland has a ton of musicians mm-hmm. and a ton of bands. Um, and it's just I think it's some more technical guys, you know, mixing with the you know very rich music scene. Mm-hmm. And most pedal pedal creators that I know of are also they're not just like technically smart, they're creative people too. Mm-hmm. And so that is another like another outlet. And so that's I think this there's so many creative people in Portland that some of them are bound to be technically savvy also, and that's just another outlet. I just feel like it, yeah. it has to do with, with a robust music scene around here. I don't know what it is <clears throat> what's it like in Oklahoma. Well, you know, sometimes when you're when you're in the midst of it, you can't really see what the big picture looks like. I don't know that it's necessarily um, a higher percentage of say musicians. Um, there's there's a wealth of musicians there, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know lots of creative people there, but I don't know if it's a larger percentage. What's interesting about seeing the effects pedal world from my perspective here in Portland is it seems like um, Portland has this extraordinarily uh, active desire and community that that treasures crafting things mm-hmm. whether it's beer or, and so I, I can see the the definite uh, craftsmanship and, and the desire to make an interesting new product and stuff like that mm-hmm. so I don't know what propels that uh, community in Oklahoma but there's lots of them you know, because it's weird, because I was, when I was flying up here, I was thinking, well, wow, there's lots and lots of effects pedal companies, mm-hmm. which means I don't know at least three times as many as the amount I know. But wait a second, why isn't, you know, Texas with 29, 27 million people have effects pedal shops everywhere? Right. Uh, and why is it, you know, <clears throat> states like Oklahoma and Oregon with 3.8, 3.9 million with an abundance of them? Yeah. I, I yeah, wonder that Durham Electronics in Austin, and um, I think I'm about done yeah. naming Texan effects. Yeah, yeah formerly Mojohan. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly. That, that's I'm sh- there again. We're probably going to get a bunch of emails. I know. Please <laughs> do because I, mean, I don't like being ignorant. So fill me in. But uh, no, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I but I don't know very many mm-hmm. Texas pedal companies either. You pretty much yeah. those are the two I, that come to the top of my mind. But honestly, from a like you were t- having a perspective on Portland, having a perspective on Oklahoma, and it's not true for everyone, but a lot of it seems to stem from, you know, you. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, I, I sometimes wonder what, what my placement is in there. Was there an effects pedal company uh, before me? I don't, I don't know if it was an effects pedal company, but there was a brilliant uh, operation, and I think it's pronounced Paya, P-A. 
That uh, sounds and, familiar. And they, that brilliant guy did all kinds of kits, drum machines, mm -hmm. little synth things, uh, effects modules, rap stuff, you know, and that was stuff like around the Craig Anderton type era where there's like a bug mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe a company doing sound kits, you know, not or not many. I'm not a historian again. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, they're like less than a half a mile. Like one of their offices is less than a half a mile. I never see anyone there. I just see the sign up on the door. Right. And, you know, uh, maybe something in the parking lot. I know they have an office now down in Texas. But um, then uh, R.G. Keene, I don't know how well versed you are in, in some of the early stuff that was on the internet in the 90s and early 2000s. But R.G. Keene published a bunch of articles on uh, the technology of the tube screamer, the technology oh, of the okay. neutron, the technology of the phaser and stuff like that. So without R.G. Keene uh, there, who went to school at, in Edmond mm -hmm. at UCL, graduated from there as an electrical engineer. And, you know, so I know those two guys, you know, that Paya guy, whatever he is, his name is, and mm -hmm. then R.G. Keene kind of coming from Edmond, Oklahoma as well. But, uh, no, there wasn't too many, you know. Right. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. What made it? Like, we we talked about kind of the history of your company mm -hmm. on the first time you came on. I'm wondering, what made you want to even put out a compressor in the first place? Like, because that wasn't really a thing. Right. Um. I mean, that yeah. like it wasn't thought of that like some like a musician could just. Yeah. I mean, you were an engineer too, so you understood it. But like, what made you want to do it in the first place? Yeah. So I was a fan of the group uh, Fish with Trey Anastasio, mm -hmm. and I heard this um, pretty amazing compressor sound, or it captured my ear and imagination. It was through a humbucker, mm -hmm. and the Ross compressor doesn't really take humbuckers too awfully well. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets overly compressed, and uh, but that was part of the sound. This overly compressed, two tube screamers, mm -hmm. they're compressed, Right. And, and what you end up with is like infinite sustain. Mm -hmm. Any note he plays, he can just let ring forever. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I got to try that. I really got to do that. And so um, I got the schematic online, made a couple changes that I had seen, and built one. And when I heard it, I was through a Telecaster. I was like, oh, man, this mm -hmm. is amazing sounding. This really is something worth listening to. And I couldn't believe how fun it was. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll use the extra parts I have here to build one to pay for this one, and I'll sell it on eBay. Mm -hmm. And literally, overnight, it was like a two-month back order. <laughs> yeah. I had no intention of going in business to build uh, pedals. Uh, a couple of years prior to that, in the mid-90s, I was wanting to build Fender Deluxes, mm -hmm. 5E3 circuits and basement circuits. And I'm kind of glad it didn't work out because the whole tweed amp thing in the 90s was full-blown. Yeah. That would have just been another... You know, mm -hmm. come along, yep, or whatever you call it, and come lately, I think. And so the effects pedal thing, I hadn't, I hadn't even built a a fuzz face. I just went straight to the Ross compressor. Right, right. I started a fuzz face and never found any transistors for it. You know, <laughs> I built, I built an analog delay mm -hmm. and a tuner before that. In oh wow! But uh, yep, for for school, I built an, a digitally controlled analog delay and it had a built-in tuner. It was about a foot wide, six inches deep. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> um, I think I lost it in the divorce, but Jacob's uh, seen it. You know Jacob Adams? Mm -hmm. He's seen it. It has this like 10 key input on it, like a phone, and you could dial in the uh, amount of milliseconds. Oh, that's so cool. And it had this big, huge toggle switch on it. You flip it and put it in tuner mode. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a very good tuner, but it was still pretty cool. And uh, my teacher at the time that uh, approved the senior project <laughs> was like, he was a guitar player, like a surf guitar player. Mm -hmm. So all I had to do is bring in like a 67 blue uh, uh, music master mm -hmm. and a little pro junior. And he was like, all and right. he was like, eh, you got an A already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if this thing doesn't work. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so, amazing. But I mean, I, I guess, you know, if I'm thinking about the people that were running around the shop mm -hmm. in the mid-2000s, or like 2007, 2008, we were going gangbusters. We were um, doing huge money. We we probably had Jacob can correct me, but we were probably doing. We had probably had twenty eight people mm -hmm. working for us. It was pretty big, and it felt like magic because everybody was giving us great reviews. Everybody was using the pedal from Steve Vai to Joe Satriani, Brad Paisley, mm -hmm. all these people 
compressors were flying out the door, you know, 800 to 1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And so it, it felt like magic and it felt really simple. So sometimes I think, to answer your question, some people, I think, uh, came to the company, saw how fun it is to make music, mm-hmm. music gear, relate with musicians on a level that you might not have the chance otherwise. If you're just a guy, what's your chance of meeting Ryan Adams or John Mayer or something? Right. Or Steve Vai. But if you're in the pedal business and you have some ideas, you know, mm-hmm. then you can find yourself in the music business then, you know? Mm-hmm. Meeting people and helping helping make music. So right. I think the magic then inspires people to, to start their own companies. Right. They're like, they're like oh, well, we want to do this is a similar thing, but we have these ideas. Yeah. And yeah, I think that I, that was really what I was thinking too, is that a lot of, I know a lot of those guys, you know, and, and you know, well, Jacob specifically, I know really well. And um, it's just like, I think it, it probably was a big inspiration. It was like, well, we could do this too for ourselves and do, you know, weird stuff or like, oh, what yeah. and then, hey, speaking of that, you know, um, Brady Smith used to work for me and, mm-hmm. and, I mean, I wasn't doing too good at the time, but I remember every time I talked to him about ideas, it, he always seemed a little, say, off, and I, and I didn't really, you know, get any of his ideas. So every time he'd suggest something like, hey, you know, we should do videos, I'm sure, I don't know how many times he said that, I'm sure he said it numerous times, or we should do this, or we should get this artist to do something, at the time, mm-hmm. I was pretty close-minded, and uh, I wonder how many great ideas I passed up just for him to excellently execute them <laughs> on his own right you know so yeah you know i've learned to be a lot more uh open-minded about any suggestion that comes in so mm-hmm. i might say no at first but then i'm all ears after that right <laughs> you get in the, the obligatory opening salvo no no oh, oh sorry <laughs> yeah oh, sorry listen, okay, oh, listen i'm now. just kidding yeah i got it. i had to get that out of my system now that i've got the no out yeah. okay i'm ready yeah and, and that's i mean that's something we talked about on the last podcast too is like you you can see that. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, the if you hadn't become more open-minded about things, you'd probably still be making two and four knobs. Oh, yeah, and exactly. Like, you know, yeah. and now I've got this loomer sitting behind me, and I'm like, hey, man, super jazzed. Hey, example of, of me almost going no, mm-hmm. uh, and the guys at the shop will be laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, almost no. <laughs> <laughs> it was full-fledged no. What are you talking about? Yeah. So... Here's the uh, shoegaze thing, and um, Michael from Schechter Guitars, mm-hmm. uh, well, first it goes back a little bit more. Daniel Tyak of Salvage uh, Custom mm-hmm. uh, Pedal Boards, he was like, hey, we need to have something called a fuzz verb. And then so, as kind of a joke, we made, you know, 10, 20 fuzz verbs, mm-hmm. and then we called it the Sojourner, and it was, you know, fuzz and reverb and stuff like that. Then Michael from the president uh, of Schechter Guitars, mm-hmm had an idea for a shoegaze pedal and I then we took our dark side platform, yep, rearranged it for the loomer mm-hmm. and won a custom unit for him that was was pretty cool. I had his like his daughter's hand on, on there. That nice. Was, it was really kind of cool. And so we sold the first batch to Chicago Music Exchange. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I just don't know if I feel this. I don't know if my customers, our typical Keeley customers are going to get into this thing. And let's, I said, let's not put them up for sale, really. Let's just let Chicago do them. Let's not send them to Europe. Let's not do anything like that. Mm-hmm. They come back week after week. Eventually, to make a long story short, it ended up being, I think, the most popular pedal at for Chicago Music Exchange over Black Friday. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And then dealers in Europe were finally allowed to order them. I'm like, you know, it's, it's an unexpected thing mm-hmm. where I said no first because I just it didn't get the sounds or the excitement, but... You know, and now it's really taken off. Yeah, well, it's some of the the thing too is um, I can't remember who I was talking with about it specifically about the loomer, and they were like, "Man, can you even fathom that the guys in my bloody Valentine thought that they would have inspired it an effects pedal? Probably not. Right? Like in all reality, excuse me. Um, but you know, the truth is they've got thousands of fans that chase those kind of sounds. Yeah. So, and, and kind of like <laughs> our other artist series. You know, we have the dark side, we have the Monterey and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These are kind of interpretations. There's no way you can accomplish, like, you know, that huge pedal board, Gavinaz or whatever. Right. Um, with just a simple one box. Mm-hmm. But this is meant to be inspired by. So we have, you know, we uh, something I'm really proud of our DSP guy Aaron Tackett doing is he's got that uh, reverb and that pitch bending. Mm-hmm. It's dynamic. And the harder you strum it, you know, then it sounds like you're you're pushing down on your, your trem bar and stuff like that. And... Uh, 
that uh, soft focus reverb. That's mm-hmm. another thing he's kind of famous for. And uh, so putting those things together, so I thought was kind of cool. Right, right. It, it's a, it's a, it, I was playing it at NAM, and of course it's at NAM. But I was, I, it was that right before you were out getting t-shirts mm-hmm. in the rain. <laughs> and I I was there playing. I, I talked about this on an episode here just a little while ago, but it was kind of a weird experience for me because I was like, man, I'm just loving this this pedal right now, and I'm not really paying any attention. I'm just kind of digging in. And uh, like, look, I look up a little bit later, and there's like four guys like sitting there watching me. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a very good guitar player, so I'm like, <laughs> all of a sudden got super self conscious. I was like, oh, okay. And then another guy came up, and he was like, hey, I want to try a. I can't remember which one it was. I want to try that or show me what that sounds like. I'm like, I'm not the demo guy. Yeah. Like I'm just a pedal nerd. Like, and, yeah. and he's like, I'll just plug it in. And see, I was one of your overdrives and, mm-hmm. and then one of your guys come over and yeah, it does this. And he was explaining and he's like, yeah, go ahead and show him what it sounds like. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess I'll play. I'll fumble around here. Man. Um, it was kind of funny of a funny experience, but the loomer, I, the point is the loomer drew me in so much and I just had a little bit of verb on it. Like, oh, yeah. And I was just really getting wild with the fuzz in the modulation section, and it was like, I was like, I gotta get one of these. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we got it here for you. Yeah, the um, it. fun thing is, is, of course, it does the effects or switching. So if you want to just do something really unconventional and put the reverb before the fuzz, which does lead to some really cool sounds. Oh yes. You know, so you can do that, and and then uh, I brought the the bubble tron, which is another exciting mm-hmm. piece for us because um, I'm a big Zappa fan, so mm-hmm. having a dynamic phaser. One that your pick attack triggers it, yep. and a dynamic flange where you know the envelope of your your playing starts up the phase cycle, the flange cycle, mm-hmm. um, and of course the the sample and hold uh, like that Oberheim or uh, that Maestro, mm-hmm. sim, you know, sample and hold thing, and the uh, so that's that that bubble tron is pretty unique and 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 stuff in the Loomer, the reverbs in the Loomer, you know, weren't weren't out before, mm-hmm. and so. Lastly, that hook reverb has got this cool fugue setting, which is just the... That was... It's yes. really weird. You know, you put, I like putting a compressor after it to keep it kind of tame so I can play harder, and, mm-hmm. but then keep the output consistent. But that's a, that was a great creative burst uh, from our shot. You know, mm-hmm. Aaron Tackett and, and Creighton getting all the design stuff and boards laid out. So, yeah, at, at the end of last year, man, we, we just had a last putting those things out mm-hmm. I think they've been they've been well received too I think uh like I, I've heard those those three were the ones that I were some of the ones I was most excited to try so I was really excited that yeah you brought I mean, those up fantastic because um it took us a long long time to get uh, a spring reverb out mm-hmm. one that, that jangled the right way one that had the you know clangings and and, and the reflections and the the hard thing with the for us to understand was how many reflections it takes to make a good spring reverb so you get all the, mm-hmm. the springs it's not just six or something you know maybe, maybe when you get to 28 reflections or something oh, like wow. that then then it starts to take on the characteristics and the the sprawling if you will mm-hmm. of the of a of a spring reverb then we started modeling the the different tube sections of a fender blackface mm-hmm. threw that in there and then my buddy Eddie Heitzelman, who's got a, a CD and a CD release party this weekend. Nice. Uh, he's a big Lonnie Mack fan, mm-hmm. and so he wanted us to do the the pitch bending vibrato mm-hmm. and reverb of like a <laughs> magnetone or something, right? Right, right. And so we threw that in there too. So it's it's mm-hmm. all kinds of fun, man. That's awesome. It, it it's I just had a funny thought while you were mm-hmm. talking about recreating the spring. It's like a spring was originally trying to recreate a space mm-hmm. and we as guitar players you know started craving the specific spring sound after hearing our favorite artists use it for different things surf guys and whatever yeah. and now i'm thinking with things like with like all the crazy pedals that are coming out now and it i wonder if we're gonna get to a point where things that we didn't think people would be like it's a like it's a I'm not sure what the word is. Like things that we were a compromise, mm-hmm. design-wise, just because it's as good as it could be with the technology, mm-hmm. will become something that's embraced later down the road. And like, oh, we got to recreate that exact whatever. I can't even think of a good example. Like uh-huh. something kind of like what we look at analog delays. You know, trying to get analog flavored digital delays and things like that. I wonder what the next 
the next weird thing is that sure. you try to recreate. You know, what's kind of fun is that um, some of the, the chips that we use now be uh, and the chips that are available have a, uh, a drag-and-drop type design environment, mm -hmm. a, a real... Uh, real easy to understand or easy to lay out graphical user interface that allows you to literally take a delay chip that looks like a bucket brigade mm -hmm. and put it up there and an analog delay right and then put chorus in the loop and then you just wire it with your mouse and then you wire a input jack and an output jack to it and you can literally with uh, there's a program called like SpinCat mm -hmm. and analog devices has their version of something for their uh, processors, but uh, you literally can kind of drag and drop and just wire your imagination in there. So it's not very efficient code, but you can like, hey, what happens if I put two chorus engines or an envelope thing or a filter here and a filter there, mm -hmm. and you can kind of listen to it as long as it doesn't explode the number of code lines <laughs> available. But uh, so so you can you, you can like try things and yeah. then perfect them after if it yeah. if it even works. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't we don't use that uh, right now because it it doesn't write code that's that's very easy for us to then uh, put on a diet and pack into the chip. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a it's a very um, kind of a primitive way that it writes the code. But it but for a lot of people that say, man, I don't have all those coding skills yet, but I heard that I can drag and drop stuff. It's it would be very cool, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so. When you say that, um, now you've removed some of the programming expertise. So now people can use their imaginations that might not have been able to either do the analog circuits or maybe the DSP coding. So now that's removed. And so I think as the processors get, of course, faster and faster and sound better and better, and you'll be able to drag and drop other modules, modules that say tube amp simulation or this thing, mm -hmm. and people just create more and more patches. So... I'm always looking forward to digital being better and better mm -hmm. and, and watching it every couple of years make it easier for me too mm -hmm. um, is, a, is a great thing. I mean, I enjoy it so much because it allows us to use our imagination in a way that's much faster than trying to develop an analog circuit. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still things we only do analog, you know, our, our fuzz, our wolf fuzz, right? Mm -hmm. Our super fuzz. We're, there's no digital part to any of those things. Those are just great as they are. Yeah, we we talked about that too, and I think mm -hmm. you and you and Wampler are both kind of on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we could make pour a bunch of effort into trying to recreate a digital drive mm -hmm. or a fuzz or something, but it sounds so good analog, and we already know how to do it. Why would we? Like, why would you yeah. go that way at this yeah. point? And it's not that it's not that hard to manipulate uh, those particular circuits. Mm -hmm. So, but getting a dynamically based envelope and flange filter, or doing a tri-chorus, usually takes a rack. <clears throat> and we've, you know, in six months we can do one in a digital environment. You know, it's a, you know, it fits in our the circuits the same size as any of our reverb pedals. Right. You know, what I mean, it's just <laughs> two inches by three and a half inches or something instead of a big rack unit. So. It, it, to me, it's a lot of fun. Right, right. It's all its all how you filter. Our DSP stuff, I think, uh, sounds good in my opinion or sounds better than some other folks or maybe even some of the rack mount stuff in the past mm -hmm. with less power is that we pay a lot of attention to filtering. So instead of saying, oh, man, ours does, ours, you know, does 16K or ours does 20K, I'm like, ours, we start rounding ours off at the same thing this uh, vintage Alnico speaker is or mm -hmm. rounding it off at 3K, 4K, something really low. And that takes out a lot of the digital type areas where they can get harsh. So gotcha. we, we just filter the heck out of it so mm -hmm. that it sounds pleasant. That's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That because that is a I mean, as much as everything's gotten better, there are still digital delays that are, and sometimes it's intentional. Oh, but yeah. like, if there are some digital delays, I'm like, that is too bright. Like, yeah. I don't want that. You know, right. the and it's too, it's it it it. Uh, it's not pleasing to the ears. So that's interesting. That's the approach you take. Oh, yeah. I think just about everything we have is, is severely rolled off and at the speaker limit, you know. Mm -hmm. five, five or six K is, a, you know, most everything. There might be some, some reasons why we have some reverbs <clears throat> or something out there that might have an 8K roll off, mm -hmm. you know. Right. But otherwise, we, we usually try to chop it off pretty, pretty early and it's, Make sure we're not missing any harmonics or anything. Right. But otherwise, the rest of it's garbage. <laughs> you know? For the most part. Yeah. 
That's interesting. <laughs> well, what, what we were talking about with the digital stuff and how you know how much faster and more efficient it is to design something that way. That puts into perspective how much even more impressive how uh, Chase Bliss and Joel Cordy's work. Oh yeah, it's like it's mind blowing sometimes. It so is, is mind blowing from my perspective mm -hmm. as well. Um, he's got a lot of uh, vision and and he's got a lot of skills that he combines together. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, I don't really know exactly how he uh, has the pedal set up, but it makes it seem pretty clear that he has the analog circuits controlled by some sort of microcontroller mm -hmm. that he's implementing the MIDI stuff. And there's there's no slack work in his case. No. His case is a masterpiece mm -hmm. in, in cutting out all those holes. And, you know, there's even the printing on it's in dual color on all sides. <laughs> and they're like... You know, there's three boards in there, you know, and everything is precision. And then then the case, and then the case contents, and the instruction. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, it's crazy. He's I, definitely an overachiever. <laughs> yeah, he, he, that is, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. He's also one of the nicest human beings I've oh, ever yeah, spoke with. Absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, Man, there's something else I wanted to mention. The reason I'm up here is... Um, oh, yeah. Pro Guitar Shops, the owner mm -hmm. of Pro Guitar Shops, Aaron Miller passed away, mm -hmm. and um, and so I thought, what a great opportunity to not only see those folks who helped define uh, this, the way that pedals are sold mm -hmm. with the product demonstration videos that Andy and Aaron Miller came up with. Mm -hmm. Not only would I think it was fun to say hi to them, but but all the other Portland companies that I hear about or you know made aware of. So it's kind of a cool thing. There's a there's a little celebration of Aaron Miller's life tonight at uh, some some bar or club or, or I can't remember what I should I should know better, <laughs> but uh, and so it was really nice because I got to meet those folks. I got to meet, of course, see Jack Deville again and mm -hmm. meet Chris Benson, and um, so it's been a really fun trip up here. And it was even sunny yesterday. I know it was so nice. <laughs> it was like, man, you you picked a good day. Yeah, um, yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, a, a wish it could have been under a little bit, you know, somewhat happier. I mean, happy to see all the folks, but somewhat sure. happier circumstances. But it, and I mentioned this on another podcast already. Is uh, I never met Aaron. I know some of the other guys over there, Tom and some of the, the other guys, but uh, um, their their kind of concept for how basically how pedals are sold mm -hmm. these days is part of what made me in the position that I'm in. I would have not, probably not quite got that interested in it if I had not stumbled across the first Andy demo that I seen. Oh yeah, that just like I mean I was already interested because I was trolling through forums and all that stuff, but that just like took it to a whole nother level of nerdery for me. Oh, and yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now yeah. if I hadn't got so nerdy on gear. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I just it probably would never have happened. That's how I felt looking at those. Um... The recording booths that that Andy has, mm -hmm. and uh, seeing Andy actually move in three D, you know, for the first time, he's like got legs, right? You know that? <laughs> right. And so uh, I had dinner with him and Tom Keithley yesterday. It was it was just awesome, and to, to get to know him and stuff, and see him outside, him you know kicking butt on those pedals. Mm -hmm. And of course, I've asked probably the same thing. So many other people wonder is. If he gets about a pedal a day, right? Mm -hmm. How does he keep the the energy level up and the enthusiasm up and the excitement? I know. But I mean, he told me he dives into each pedal and gets inspired by each one. And I think it, it's really nice having a guy that that can do that over and over again and mm -hmm. over again. Maybe two thousand videos, right? Oh yeah. So I, very very cool. Yeah, to, yeah. To be able to maintain that level of enthusiasm for mm -hmm. something like that, and and. And I understand the burnout, and I don't even do that. Like, I, I'll obviously record a podcast, and so therefore I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to catch most of the gear ones, because that's what I, I really like. But there are some times, like yesterday in particular, it was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive home, and I'm going to listen to a podcast. And it was like, I don't want to listen to a guitar one right now. I'm yeah. going to listen to something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like I need to... I need to, to as much as I love guitar, obviously, yeah. Um, I was like, I need to unplug from the guitar for just a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, because when you're, you know, when that's all you do, yeah. It, it anything, even things that you really enjoy, can 
drain on you a little oh, bit. Oh, sure. That's where the cooking comes in for me, right? Because oh, it's like when I come home from work, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do this to unwind. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a totally different feel. And then actually in the same breath, it's, it's very similar because it's like I get to improvise. I get to, mm-hmm. you know, recipes are like engineering or schematic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get to build from an, and then improvise on the side kind of like a jam session in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm no, I'm not, not nearly at the level in the kitchen that you are, but I, I do, I think I, I do, a, the one thing that I feel like I'm really good at food-wise is I can make a good brisket. Mm-hmm, that's cool. <laughs> and I always, I mean, we joked about it before. It was like, if you ever come down, I'm going to cook you a brisket. But then it like everything just happened so fast. I told my wife, I was like, I need to get a brisket. Rob's coming over. And then it was like, it's too late. I should have had to start it right now at like, you know, midnight last night in order yeah, to get it done. That, uh, that the secret with that is a heavy dose of patience mm-hmm. and time. Oh, yeah. Getting it just right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yep, the, the folks at uh, look at another, you know, uh, company. It's just as influential as any pedal company. PGS, now that I think about it. That's true. I mean, that's a, uh, a killer way to look at it. You know, that there's not a video team out in L.A. doing it or New York doing it or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. a Portland experience. It's a manifestation of, of all those people and, and these guitar players. So it's quite an environment up here. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we, uh, there definitely, I think, is a, there's a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Like you said, I don't know if it's in the water or, mm-hmm. or what the deal is, but I uh, I feel like there is there is something to just the atmosphere and just the kind of people that live here. It just, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I could never leave, I yeah. don't think. <clears throat> I would not, I mean, I have no reason to want to, but like, I can't, it's like, where else would I go? There's nowhere else like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Seattle maybe kind of mm-hmm. has a similar vibe, but Still, I think Portland's got its own thing, and yeah, I'm uh, glad to basically lived around here my entire life. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not too many places you can go that have uh, shops like uh, Old Town, mm-hmm. right? I, it, it's not that it's necessarily super super huge, but it's got everything that that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and showed me new stuff and like eight display sh- cases of pedals, mm-hmm. and vintage Gibsons over here, and Cool, brand new. Were they built guitars? B I L T. Yeah. I mean, hmm. is that from Portland too? No, they're not from Portland. Oh. But there was a bunch of Saul Cole guitars in yeah, there. Yeah, there sure uh, was. He's from Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking. Yeah, there's more than just pedal companies. And right? we got Saul Cole m- making amazing guitars. Mm-hmm. Benson's doing amps uh, just across the river in Vancouver. Veritas Guitars is over there mm-hmm. making crazy stuff. Um, and it's just yeah, there's something there's something to this area. I don't know. I don't know what kind of magic it is, but if we could bottle it and sell it, then it, <laughs> that would probably be good. I think what I, I always I always like to joke that uh, pedals are the perfect uh, safe place for out of work guitar players. That sounds about right. right? <laughs> it's like you know better than holding up a liquor store, and uh, it, it can feed a family. So there you times. go. So I think it's. Uh, you get the right population of out-of-work musicians, and you got a lot of companies. <laughs> that could be. That could be. What it, you would think there would be more in Nashville, then. Right. Right. Well, actually, I bet you we'll get a bunch of email on that too. There's probably a huge dose of. There's a lot of. I can't think of a, just a ton of pedal companies, but there is a lot of gear companies oh, yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. Lots of them. Tons. So, um, but yeah, it's it's fun, but. I got some stuff that I talked to you about that I don't want recorded. So. Okay. That's what's been fun, though, dude. It is. <laughs> Great. Uh, cool. Thanks for coming by, Rob. You bet, bud. That's going to do it for today, folks. Uh, big thanks to all of the sponsors this week, Sinusoid and The Sound Parcel. Make sure and check those guys out. Those are what keep the show humming, is the sponsors. So show them some love. And I just wanted to drop this on you. If you're listening the day this episode drops, which should be... On a Monday, 3-6 of 2017, then you might want to head over to ToneMob.com slash store because there is a new collaboration up with Spruce Effects, and it might even be gone by now. Who knows? But you are going to want to check this out. It's a fuzz slash trim. It's a yeah, two-in-one, and I won't give you all of the details, but it sounds great. And it has a lot of functionality, 
And there's a great demo by none other than Mr. J. Leonard J. himself up at tonemob.com slash store. And uh, yeah, keep it fuzzy. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.